0: Thank you, God, that you care about every part of us. Thank you that you sent Jesus so that we could be healed in our souls, that we could receive forgiveness and new life through him. We pray that you'll help us to hear from you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Reading from Mark, chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there, thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts, and he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, take your mat and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this.
1: Um, But look, I can't believe we've been in here for, what, 20 minutes and no one has actually talked about it. Who watched it last night? Come on. Come on, fess up. Who watched it last night? Blokes, blokes, put your hand up. Who watched it last night? Come on, we like a bit of romance every now and again, don't we? All right. Another when and where story, it's gone mad on Twitter feed, everyone was talking about it, you know, who was there, who wasn't and you know how unorthodox it was, hey, do you know about the power of love, I mean how about that preacher, hey, well, an Afro-American preaching in the middle of Westminster Abbey at a royal wedding. Good. Now, I've got to say, um, of course, the wedding that they had is very familiar to to us, if you are an Anglican. If you know people who want to get married, we can give you a royal wedding. I just want to put that out there. All right, so uh, it's a good thing to do. But, um, yeah, how about last night? Um, And they'll be talking about it. That was a, a when and where moment. Blokes, maybe you can talk together about your when and where romance, you know, stories, when you met the love of your life. I can certainly... Uh, share mine about Geeta, Actually Duncan, next time, D- Gita's just a far more interesting person than me. Can you make sure you interview, interview her rather than me, alright mate? Like seriously, if I come back. Well what, what did you think of that story? What did you think? This once paralysed man, and, and for the record we're not sure if he was sort of like you know, a quad or it was just his legs, probably just his legs but the text isn't specific. Um, he was not going to stop talking about that day uh, in a city called Capernaum At that house, uh, which was the house where Jesus was living, by the way, while he was there. How at Jesus' word, he got up, he took his mat and walked out. I mean, he wouldn't have stopped talking about what it was like to experience the power, the raw power of Jesus' word to experience the immediate healing. The immediate healing. I mean, just imagine Duncan never, ever again complaining about his back. (laughs) Healed! You know, like... (laughs) Mark is so brief. He's so surgical in his description. We don't even find out the name of this man, do we? But yet we can imagine this man walking, running, leaping down the dusty road, the dusty streets, walking and leaping past his old life. Where he's probably spent the most of every day begging, carried there, begging, living each day like a tide, wondering if there would be another day, living each day the shame, the humiliation, uh, struggle to wash himself properly, probably meant that he was excluded from all sorts of family and religious community um, get togethers. It's horrible. Being excluded, the isolation, uh, the humiliation, Uh, living every day with the sort of shadow of death hovering, not quite knowing if there would be another day. There's this beautiful little proverb in in a a wisdom uh, literature in in the Bible called Proverbs. I love reading Proverbs. Uh, And it says, A longing fulfilled is sweet to the soul. I wonder if you know about that sweetness. Uh, what it is to have a longing fulfilled. I had an unexpected longing fulfilled about five years ago when I became uh, a lame man. Um, I actually lost power in my left leg, Um, and it was a big deal for me. I grew up on a dairy farm. Uh, My mum reports, I just jogged everywhere. Uh, In fact, um, I would just jog from here to there everywhere. That when I started at Jervois Primary School, my younger sister, Robin, slept for three weeks. She was so exhausted following me around. I loved to jog. and here's a scan showing the L5-S1 disc prolapse. Um, within days, um, I was being wheeled into surgery at Wakefield Hospital. I'd put my trust uh, in a neurosurgeon. He'd been recommended by Geeta's dad, who'd had a similar operation a few years earlier. Uh, a great outcome, a reliable man. I went on his, his testimony. I trusted the surgeon to get the job done. I still remember, just as I was going under, praying, praying and saying, Lord, um, you know, this could be it. There's there's no guarantees, are there? You're going to wake up. So um, praying and having, I guess, last conversations with my family, just making sure everything actually was right, just in case. We know about those sort of conversations, don't we? I still remember waking up, though, after the operation, being immediately aware that my leg was fixed. Um... I mean, I was reasonably high on morphine, I think, but I knew it was fixed. I could feel it was fixed. And the relief I felt, the joy. It was April the 19th, 2012. A when and where healing moment for me, if you like. Do you have a when and where or a who story like this? Do you know the joy of having a longing fulfilled? Well, how is it with your body? Um... uh, I had a significant birthday with a five uh, at the front of it last year. I've already collected uh, a specialist for my back, another one for my heart, a specialist for my eyes, for my skin, and I'm married to a rheumatologist. Anyone beat five at the moment? I'm I'm only 50, all right? (laughs) And I trained as a doctor. The healing power of medicine is amazing. It's even more amazing, profound. It, It really is the healing power of medicine and of science. But it's not an exact science. It's a science that needs to be artfully applied and practised. The, the data needs to be interpreted and applied to, to particular situations. You see, while we can delay death with medical advances, the truth is we're all living life in death's waiting room, aren't we? Uncertain when our name is going to be called out. Uh, sadly, like I called out that story before with Bob. Uh, I grew up, as I said, on a farm. I mean, I grew up with death. I saw it from a young age. Um, but seeing people uh, die young and old in front of you, uh, there's nothing like being confronted with uh, with death. Um, it sifts you. It sifts you in a way that nothing else quite does in life. I think uh, it sifts uh, your values, uh, what it is really getting out of bed every morning, uh, what you're living for, who or what you're willing to die for. That just possibly all this surface stuff that we make ourselves so busy chasing after that there might be just more to life maybe even we're missing out on the whole point of life what's why I think taking the time to consider the healing power of Jesus for your soul this morning uh, is a wonderful thing that you've done if you've come here at the invitation of a friend or someone well done for coming here I think it's a significant way to spend time looking in to this truth and significance of Jesus for your life I think it's why Jesus remains so real and relevant for every soul here this morning and one that's not. Uh, it's really good that you're here. I mentioned Dean last week. I've been visiting Dean for a few years now. Uh, Dean's a five-time premiership ruckman for Port Adelaide. We've got any Port supporters down here? You're not very enthusiastic, are you? I mean, you won the show showdown. Look, do we have any Port supporters in the room? This is why well, I'm not sending this to Ken Henkley and the boys. Come on. Now, um, Dean knows that he's been living in time on for a while. A few years ago, Dean decided it was time to read a gospel biography of Jesus for himself. He was 80. Okay, He'd uh, Been hanging out in a, in a church in Adelaide for a while. But in all those years, he realised he'd completely missed the point of Jesus. The Jesus he met as he read through... The Gospels changed his life forever. He's finally come to understand God's love for him. A ruckman from Port Adelaide (laughs) of Jesus' forgiveness for him. Uh, He now lives with this, um, you can see it, you can hear it, this phenomenal peace that he knows what's happening when his time's up. He knows where he's spending eternity. He has this unreal peace and looking forward to spending resurrection life with Jesus when he dies. About a year ago, I was reading the Bible and praying with Dean before a life-threatening op. There was like a 50-50 chance he wasn't going to wake up from this one. And he said, it's okay, John. It's right with my soul. It's well. It's right with my soul, John. It's okay. Um, his, um, his, son, his grandson wrote a song for him called either way I win and it was some words he said with his whole family gathered around his bed he said guys guys cheer up either way I win if you know if I don't wake up I go to be with Jesus if I do I get to be with you either way I win how is it with your soul is it well are you ready to meet Jesus are you ready to meet God your maker well, it's why Mark has written this historical gospel biography about Jesus. It's not everything about Jesus. It's some of the significant things that Jesus said and did. It really is good news for your soul and mine. And you'll notice here if you're into outlines, there's a bit of an outline in the leaflet. But just three words, three words about Jesus that I think can really change your life. Fulfillment, faith and forgiveness. Three words, fulfilment, faith and forgiveness. Uh, the first is fulfilment. This is where I need my, my clicker. Now um, uh, we read there, we heard at the beginning of, of that passage a few days later when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered there was no room. Again, had he come to his own home, his own house? Um, is this where this was taking place? Um, now we know, of course, Jesus grew up over here in Nazareth. But for some mysterious reason, when he went public with his ministry he decided to come and live here. This is where he went public, in this uh, lakeside town called Capernaum. And he spent, it seems, significant months here um, teaching, doing a lot of miraculous healing and signs, but also going out into all the surrounding country towns and villages. um, And um, we don't know all of their names. Uh, But... Mark reports that with John the Baptist's arrest, he moved to live in this city called Capernaum. Now, this, this whole region, uh, geographically in the, in the Bible, is called the, the region or the area of Nephtali and Zebulun in Galilee. It's there Jesus has begun proclaiming the good news of God. The time really has come. The time is now. The kingdom of God is near Turn to God, and believe the good news. That's 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 the heart of His message. So impressive is Jesus' authority, people are leaving their day job to follow Him. In Capernaum, His teaching has everyone in awe. He's released a man overrun by the power of evil, restored him wholly. He's healed Simon Peter's mother-in-law. A great thing to do with a mate, isn't it? Hey, heal his mother-in-law. Word gets out and suddenly Simon Peter's house, possibly even his mother-in-law's house, has become a hospital. And Jesus spends significant time there healing everyone who's brought to him, who comes to him, who are oppressed by illness or evil. But because Jesus' mission is to save souls, he doesn't stay there in Capernaum. He goes out to the country towns to preach, to teach, to do miracles. Uh, And there Mark reports Jesus having compassion for a man who's overrun by a skin disease that was leprosy-like. And he made him clean with a touch. He removed not just the man's skin disease, but one of the reasons this man would have been living out in the countryside was because he was barred from hanging out with people. The religious customs of the day, the social isolation, again, the stigma, the shame. In a a touch, Jesus hasn't just removed his skin disease. He's removed all of that social stigma, all the shame that's come with it. Then Mark reports Jesus has returned back to Capernaum again. And so how fortunate it is for the city. If If you were living in Capernaum or in the area, you got so much of Jesus. You saw so many miracles, so many signs. You heard so much of his teaching. I mean, it's like all of their Christmases have come at once. And in a way, they have. And that's exactly Mark's point. It's why he's at labours to help us understand, to give us these seemingly irrelevant geographical details about where and when Jesus was doing his ministry. It was fulfilling some amazing promises that God had spoken 800 years before Jesus turned up through a man called Isaiah. They're actually promises from a favourite passages in the book of Isaiah that get read out and sung about every Christmas. I've got them up here. Have a look with me. In the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have increased their joy. They rejoice before you. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You see, Mark's simply wanting us to connect the dots, to see that this Jesus, this child, this, who's turned up in Capernaum teaching and preaching and, and doing all of these signs, uh, turning darkness to light, grief and mourning and shame to joy. He, he is the fulfillment of this scripture. He is this child. He is this son of God in flesh. Jesus historically verified All of his healing miracles, they're like signposts letting you know that with Jesus you really have arrived. The reality has arrived. God's reality then around Capernaum, but also for today. For those who through Mark's testimony, we can see and meet the real Jesus today through this reliable witness He really is a fulfilment of all of God's loving plans for you, for your life, for your loved ones and for this world. Plans to save human beings, to know and enjoy God with God as life is truly meant to be enjoyed. When I started practising as a doctor there was this... Uh, new vogue thing out called evidence based medicine. You'd think it was all evidence based, but there you go. Um, maybe when you visit your doctor next time, just find out do you do, you know, you evidence based doctor? Anyway, ask her that question. Um, I started as an intern in 92, as I, shared, as I said, when I was looking into the truth of Jesus. And I really was surprised just to see how much historical, verifiable evidence there was uh, for this. Jesus of Nazareth, outside of the Bible. okay, In the Roman and Jewish history books. People who were no friends of Christians. okay, um, But it's there. It blew my mind. Uh, to look at the reliability of the historical data in Scripture. Uh, that the Bible that we hold in our hands is about 99.6% verified with the original documents that were written and penned. It's one of the key things about Jesus I find just so compelling when you line Jesus up along other leaders of philosophies or or religions. Christianity, Jesus is the only one where you can actually put him in the public marketplace of ideas, the public marketplace of history and objectively verify the truth, the historical truth and reliability of the man, of the things he said and the things he did why I think belief in Jesus is a credible, reasonable and I think rational choice a human being can make. Well having taught and healed so much in Capernaum, how did people respond to Jesus? Uh, if you were watching the wedding last night you would have seen all sorts of responses as the camera panned around. Especially when the American preacher was on. It was hilarious. I think there will be a few few funny talkback shows with that at the moment like the Queen and... and, 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 the, and uh um, Philip sitting there, like you know, and then the grandson in front. Did you see him smirking all eyes, like oh? And you just know what he's thinking, man. What are my gran- what are grandma and grandpa thinking about this? This is a bit. This is this is not right. <laughs> well, there was a not lot right um, going on in Capernaum, and there was a lot not right that happened in that house on that day. Mark reports as we come to that second word, faith, faith, that Jesus is more popular than a crow's power showdown at Adelaide Oval. Um, he's preaching the word uh, to a full house and Mark reports that they came uh, they don't actually, we're not, we don't find out who the, they are we're just told they came bringing a paralytic there were four of them just as a Duncan very how did you do that mate that's just man you, he was, he's a bloke and he was doing two things at once like he was talking and mate you're an extraordinary man Yeah, I just can't do that, mate. How how did you do that? Anyway, they were determined to get this paralysed man to Jesus. We feel for these guys, don't we? Like you're sort of on their side. You're rooting for them. Come on. You want them to win. We're cheering for them to get this guy to Jesus. And yeah, the place is packed. They can't get in. As we heard, they go up. The roofs were flat. Um, And so they decided to dig, remove a whole section of the roof. And it had to be a reasonably sizable section if you're lowering a guy down. Uh, on a, on a mat or a frame, and all eyes are now suddenly on this paralytic man, paralytic man on his mat. And there he is at the feet of Jesus. Um, uh, talk about disruption! It's like whoa. And Mark tells us, very simply, Jesus sees their faith. Jesus sees their faith, uh, which we we suspect must include the faith of all five, the man and the four who brought this man. To be healed by Jesus. Now of course their faith at this point in Jesus is that they believe only that Jesus can heal them. They believe only he has the power, the authority to heal him, to make him whole. But this isn't faith in Jesus to save their souls yet. But it's the first time that faith is mentioned in Mark's gospel. And so this is really important. What's going on here, whatever this faith is, it is really important. And Jesus is commending their faith. And he can see it. We can see faith all the time, can't we? Uh, we're exercising faith all the time. He could see their faith because of the effort they'd gone on to bring this man and to lower him in front of Jesus. And very simply, I think Mark just wants us to notice what biblical faith is. It's that their faith is in Jesus. We don't know how much, how big, how small. It's just that it's in Jesus. It's their determination to come to Jesus that's being commended here. And it's really important that we just notice a little, a little parallel here. You see, Jesus draws no parallel between this man's suffering and his sin, does he? He doesn't say, look, if he just stops sinning, You'll be healed. He doesn't say to the man look you just need a little bit more faith a bigger faith and you'll be healed. Jesus never makes that clumsy and I think at times quite hurtful connection. Never does it. And so what is biblical faith? Well it's just like I did with when I chose my neurosurgeon. I did a bit of research. I found out he had a good track record And it was the testimony of someone who I trusted. And so I chose to go with this neurosurgeon. It didn't matter how big my faith was. But the fact that I chose to go with this man meant that my faith was in him. My trust was in him. Biblical faith is like this. It's trusting in Jesus because he's proven himself to be trustworthy in time and in place over and over again over three years Uh, and we've got the benefit of hundreds of eye and ear witness uh, testimony here in scripture. It's reliable and here's the thing because of what Jesus says next we discover that coming to Jesus for miraculous healings of our bodies it's not the faith that Jesus has come looking for. However It's really important to notice at this point what's caused this man to be brought to Jesus. It's quite a significant thing going on in his life, isn't it? And it's funny, just like Dean actually. Uh, God's got the knack. He's always using things going on in our lives. Uh, Things that are working but usually often things that aren't. Uh, Using an illness, a sudden threat of death, Uh, maybe uh, a really hard relationship breakdown or some other life road bump, to get our attention, to slow us up, to say, hang on a minute, hang on a minute, to get us to contemplate and maybe think a bit about life and what it is we're getting out of bed to do each day. God's using all sorts of things to get your attention, just like he used people dying in front of me to get my attention. And that is part of the enormity of God's love for you and I here this morning. He's always trying to get get our attention, to get us to know just how beautiful and good and full life can be as we turn toward him. When I was training to be a doctor, my favourite registrars and consultants, of uh, of course, Gita was the best, okay? Gita was the best, but they were the ones. They would go out of their way to not rush through the ward round. as as they came to an interesting patient or two on the ward round, they would use what was going on in their life, their condition, to teach. To teach all of us. um, To teach us about how to be better doctors. And I think that's why Jesus doesn't just heal this guy straight away. He's using this guy's physical condition to teach. To teach everyone there and to teach us uh, something about himself. Who he is, why he's come, and the response that he's really looking for. You see while this man's crippled body is the most obvious need according to Jesus it's not his most urgent need, not his most important need which brings us to that third word, forgiveness. Fulfillment, faith, forgiveness. That's what Jesus has come to bring. It's there in verse 5. Seeing their faith Jesus says to the paralytic Son your sins are forgiven. A bit like the last thing I expected to come out of Gita's mouth in that little dark office in the middle of the queen elizabeth hospital you know in sort of it must have been march i think march 1992 was you need jesus well here's what no one expected to come out of jesus mouth <laughs> you know son your sins are forgiven you see healing bodies isn't jesus mission healing souls sick with sin Is Verses 6 and 7. For some people in that house who knew their Bibles well, it was like a forest fire had been set off in their hearts. Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now that's a fair question. And I want to suggest it's the right question. Now just, uh, Miriam, are you here in the rooms? Lovely. Now, Gotten to know Miriam a bit more last week. She, tell you what, she is a stand up comedian. Interview your wife sometime, mate. Seriously, she's a funny lady. Anyway, I, I had the privilege of hearing both these guys interviewed at a conference I went to. Fantastic. But um, just imagine, Miriam, you've lent me your car. Um, I was a bit distracted. I might have been maybe looking at my mobile phone when I shouldn't have, and I've, I've, I've run it off the road. I've written it off. I've crashed it. Um, but what I do is I come here meekly and I come up to Richard and I say, Richard I'm so sorry but I've written off Miriam's car please will you forgive me Now, Richard knows, Miriam knows you all know um, not only does that really lack form (laughs) like that's poor form um, but it's actually insulting it's insulting of our relationship and it's nonsensical only Miriam can forgive the debt that I owe I smashed her car See, who can forgive sins but God alone it's the right question about Jesus if of course Jesus is only a man only a human being like you and I you see what Jesus is trying to help people to understand that he is 100% flesh and blood human being but he is also 100% God divine at the same time do not ask me to try to explain it just that these two truths live side by side 100% God 100% human and that's Jesus is trying to help people to understand he really is God the Son turned up in flesh it's the right question but knowing the unbelief in their hearts Jesus asks why are you thinking these things that is can't you see who's sitting here why are you thinking these things don't you get it which is easy to say to the paralytic your sins are forgiven or to say get up take your mat and walk But what's the answer to the question what is the easier thing for you or I to do which is easier to say the paralytic your sins are forgiven or to say get up take your mat and walk if Jesus is just a human being both are equally impossible I want to suggest because only God can forgive sins and certainly no one else in the room had the power or the authority to heal this man However, but, but, on, on the other hand, if the God who fashioned the universe into existence, who sustains everything, the God who's fashioned you and I, whose every breath is a gift from this God, if this God has actually turned up in, his, in history, in, in time, in place, in history, in his son, then surely if God was trying to get the attention of his creatures, he would be doing God things, wouldn't he? He should be able to do both. And so to prove his identity, Jesus does both. Verse 10, But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. This paralytic man's sins. The sin of all the people in the room. The sin of all the people sitting here now. Jesus said to the paralytic, So that you will know I have authority to forgive your sin. I tell you, get up take your mat and go home he got up took his mat and walked out in full view of them all notice a little detail Mark's included here in full view of them all okay witnesses who could have discredited Jesus discredited that he actually said and did these things you see desperate for people to come into the joy of his true identity Jesus is taking a 700-year-old promise, another one, one about uh, someone like a son of man who would come and who would come to the Father in heaven and would receive all authority and all power over all people from all nations of all time. He would have authority over all the nations at the end of time to judge each of us for how, we have responded to God how we've responded to God's love and Jesus is desperate for the people in that room he's desperate for the people in this room right now to to know and understand these things about him because that's the future but now Jesus wants everyone to know that he is the one who's been given the power and authority on earth to forgive sins to set things right so that people can be saved from that future day of judgment and saved back into a right relationship with God as their heavenly father. Do you know that the word forgive only occurs nine times in all of Mark's gospel? It occurs four times just in this little story. I reckon possibly Mark's wanting us to understand something about Jesus here. He really is on about forgiveness. Jesus has come to look humanity in the eye to let us know that what every human being needs most is the forgiveness of their sin from Jesus. And this is God's greatest longing for you. We've talked a bit about longings this morning. I suspect we've all got our shopping list of longings. Well, God only has one. He only has one when it comes to you and me. His longing that we would come to his Son, receive him, be forgiven, and know the joy the joy of being reconciled with God as our Father in heaven. The joy of relationship. The joy of living now knowing that resurrection life with Jesus waits for you when you die. Do you believe in forgiveness? Look Me in the Eyes, a show about forgiveness. So it was on SBS, hosted by Ray Martin. The a slide here. I don't know if you picked up on this or saw it. It's based on neuroscience research and it's revealed that Something very powerful and profound happens. It can happen. It can happen in the human brain when we look another human being in the eye who we've wronged or they've wronged us. This episode is about Ayak. He was a child soldier in Africa and the man he's confronting, Anyang, was the guard who tortured him. Here they are now, both living in Australia, sitting in a room, looking each other in the eye, reconciling. This next episode is about estranged sisters, Megan and Rebecca, forgiving and reconciling with each other after many years of not having spoken. I mean, it's it's powerful stuff to watch. See, who of us hasn't said or done something that has hurt another person and had profound impact for that relationship? Now, here's the thing. It seems that science, the very way that your brain and my brain are wired, is for forgiveness. That's that's amazing. Here is science catching up to the God of the universe. Isn't it? Well, of course, if you're going to forgive someone or ask for forgiveness, you need to admit that you've wronged them, don't you? And the Bible has a word for that. It's called sin. Do you believe in sin? Sin is also mentioned four times in this episode, three times by Jesus. Jesus believes in sin. Do you? It's a word that sums up all those things that we do to others, all the things that get done to us that taints and tears apart our relationships. A friend uh, told me about this book by David Brooks. Uh, it's a New York Times bestseller and he's a New York Times columnist. Now David Brooks has researched and written over a number of years about how we need to save ourselves from growing numbers of look-at-me, self-orientated, self-serving narcissistic people and now presidents people who are threatening the very fabric of society while he does seem to have a God reflex in the book there is no evidence that he's a Christian and what's David Brooks diagnosis I've just got a couple little excerpts here which are absolutely fascinating okay here is a non-christian secular New York Times columnist writing about what's wrong with people and society we know what is deep and important in life but we still pursue the things that are shallow and vain we rationalise our failures we know less than we think we do we imagine that spiritual and moral needs can be solved through status and material things we do sin but we also have the capacity to recognise sin to feel ashamed of sin and to overcome sin pride blinds us misleads us, makes us more certain and closed-minded than we should. Pride deludes us into thinking we are the authors of our own lives. Here is a secular author writing about sin. What do you think about that? This is what he says is the cause of all the fraying and fractures in our relationships. Now, if you do stuff up in a relationship... What's the first step to mend any broken relationship? Well, again, David Brooks tells us. It's humility. Humility is the greatest virtue. Humility is having an accurate assessment of your own nature and your own place in the cosmos, that you are not the centre of the universe. That you are not the centre of the universe. Now, I don't think God could have put that any better in Scripture. And in fact, that's exactly... What we read in in scripture, how how the Bible defines what this sin problem is. It's living life as if me, as if you are at the centre of the universe. Now Jesus says this, I'm at the centre of the universe, sin. That's the cause of all the fraying and fractures in our relationship with God. It's that primary relationship. That's the reason why we struggle so much in our relationship with each other. It's why we so urgently need God's forgiveness according to Jesus to save the souls of the David Brooks of this world back into right relationship with God. Now here's the thing, why did David Brooks write his book? And again, I wrote it to cultivate a wise heart. I wrote it, to be honest, to save my own soul. Amazing. To save my own soul. Jesus says to David Brooks and those like him, look, you're on the right track, mate but you've got to come to me and believe in me because um, look actually saving your soul is why I've come um, that's actually my job description not yours <laughs> um, so you th- which means you don't need to worry about that mate because I've got that one covered and you know what it's like if you're doing a job and someone comes in and tries to take over and oh, no, that's just offensive isn't it I mean for us to come in and sort of Jesus come on let me have a go I think I'm, I can do a better job at saving my own soul <laughs> And the reason why only Jesus can save our own soul is because, again, what's written a thousand years earlier in an ancient lyric or psalm, Psalm 49. What does it say? No man, no woman, no child, no person can redeem the life of another or give to God a ransom for him. The ransom for a life is costly. No payment is ever enough. Which I take it means, as hard as you try, Whatever you're doing to try to barter with God, it's never going to be enough. God's telling you and I that it's never going to be enough. It can't be enough. But it's also why later in Mark's Gospel that Mark records Jesus saying these most beautiful words. They are the most beautiful words that in one sentence summarise his mission. It's there in chapter 10 of Mark. You can read it for yourself. That the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom, a payment for many. Here is the fulfilment, the answer to Psalms 49, Psalm 49, to that conundrum. He's, Jesus is the ransom. And if he's paying the debt, that means you or I do not need to pay the debt. And Jesus pays that debt on his cross. That's where he gives his life. Your life for mine. Your His life His life for mine and for yours on that cross. A ransom, a once-off payment. The sinless son of God taking all of your sin on himself and paying the penalty, taking the, the judgment of God for you and me in our place so that we can be forgiven and saved back into right relationship with God. That's why Jesus has the authority. The authority to lay down his life for you and I, the authority to take it up again, the authority for all who come to Jesus and say, you're forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. You're in the right with God now and forever. Now, what do you call love like this? Um, Growing up, um, I was a young lad. Uh, I used to hang out a lot down at the dairy, had the road, and then twice a day, all the manure, the cow poo from 100 cows, was washed under the drain and out into a big paddock. And so after 30 years of dairy farming, there was a lake of cow poo there out in the front uh, of the dairy. Anyway, one summer, um, it was summer, it was hot. My, my elder sister, Jenny, decided she wanted to go for a walk in her rubber boots um, across the paddock of Cowpoo. It uh, had a nice crusty top on it, you know, it seemed all right. And so she's out there and she's in the middle of this, this sea of Cowpoo and she starts sinking she it cracks through and she's literally sinking in the middle. She's gonna drown in cow poo. I mean imagine that, if you can. It's Sunday morning, I know. Uh, she's crying out, she is stuck because she's in her gum boots, and I'm I'm screaming out. Yo, know, dad, 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 you know, I'm pointing and, 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 and suddenly my dad, he jumps the, the cow rail, he jumps. And the uh, the electric fence, and he's running over and through this, you know. And he, he grabs his girl, and he picks her up, and he trudges back, and he gets back, and he's like up to here with the cow poo. And, and my, well, my sister, she's even in a worse state. I'm am so overjoyed, full of she's saved, she's saved from drowning in cow poo. What a horrible way to go. I ain't about to give her a hug though. I love my sister, but boy, did she stink. All right. There's just some things that love won't do, but um, that wasn't the time to give her a hug. But it just illustrates that you know the love of a father. It just it's it's a glimpse, of course, into the love of a heavenly father, who comes running across the universe uh, through the muck of our sin uh, to rescue us, to do whatever it takes. So that we can be rescued and saved back into right relationship with God as our Heavenly Father. From eternal judgment to eternal life. And so the simple question from Jesus this morning is, are you yet one of the many who has come to Jesus? Are you yet one of the many who knows the truth of Jesus, the goodness of Jesus, of his ransom, paying off all of your debt, forgiven? Like my dad used to wash the floor of the dairy twice a day to try to make it clean. Jesus' death, his blood, has washed clean, pure, white as snow, your record of debt against God. It can never be blemished ever again because of Jesus' death for you. Can you imagine the joy of living every day of the rest of your life, however many days that is, knowing that things are right with God, knowing that whenever you die, you die to spend eternity in resurrection life with God. Ray Ortland. Uh, he's a, an author, and he wrote these words. Who are the wise? Who are the fools? Who really are the winners and losers in this world? Whose stock is rising? Whose stock is falling? How you answer that question reveals everything about you because how you answer that question reveals how you see the cross of Jesus. How you feel about that crucified man reveals who you are at your deepest core. And so how do you feel about this Jesus who laid his life down for you? Do you know this joy? I've shared something of my when and where story, when and how and who through, that I, I came to know Jesus, became a Christian, Jesus is the fulfilment of all of God's loving plans and purposes for you for your loved ones for this world Jesus alone he's proven his love for you the power of redemptive love is there to be seen on his cross for you he's given his life as a ransom by his death for you Jesus Christ the son of God he's God himself coming down from heaven to look humanity in the eye to declare to any who will hear his voice Whoever will come to me, you are forgiven. You really, truly are forgiven. Do you know the joy of hearing this voice for your life? The invitation is to make that here and now. As I said, if you're not sure what you're expecting, if you're invited, if it's your first time for a while, or just first time uh, here this morning, welcome. Um, But I hope you can at least appreciate, wherever you're at, can you at least appreciate that what goes on here Uh, on Sunday mornings. Uh, It's stuff of of, of great significance. And at the very least, I want to encourage you to keep taking time out to to come along and keep exploring the truth of Jesus for your life. But there could be some here uh, who are ready. I mentioned that Jesus spent a fair bit of time in Capernaum and around the area. The thing about Australia, we, 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 you know, we can get pretty easy access to a Bible, to a church if we want, to Christian things in a school. And what it means, I think, is that for a whole lot of, lot of us, is there's a potential for us to be maybe a bit like those people in Capernaum. Uh, or, or the country towns called Victor Harbour and Port Elliot and Goal, or I'm sure they existed there as well. But you, know, you, you sort of know a bit, maybe you've known a bit for a while. But maybe up until this point, you've sort of been more going through the motions. It's been a relationship of convenience. Uh, Maybe uh, just enough where you know that God's in the boot, just in case of an emergency, to be pulled out like a spare tire. Uh, I want to encourage you to make a heart commitment. uh, To sort of go that next step. Uh, A bit later on in Mark's Gospel and in Matthew's Gospel, uh, Jesus has a real crack at the people of Capernaum and the whole surrounding area he says woe to you guys I was with you for so long you've heard me teach so much you've seen so many of my miracles how hard are your hearts why won't you come to me in fact you want to kill me Uh, the prayer I've got for us to have a bit of a read through Uh, I'm going to pray it invitation to make that your prayer this morning uh, to make here and now your when and where Uh, it's like I prayed in 92 there's nothing mystical or magical about it it's similar to a prayer that Dean prayed a few years ago it's an invitation to pray from your heart Uh, I'm going to read it first and I'm going to invite all of us to pray it together no matter where you're at in, in your life and relationship with God and then we'll all say the Amen uh, Duncan's going to come and explain a few things after when we finish. Let's, um, let's pray now, shall we? I'll just read it for, through first. So, uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to give his life for the forgiveness of my sin. I turn to you now as my Saviour and Lord for the forgiveness of my sin and the certainty of everlasting life with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to give his life for the forgiveness of my sin. I turn to you now as my Saviour and Lord for the forgiveness of my sin and the certainty of everlasting life with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.